even though I like to think that we are that we are in the year 2019, we have not yet left 2018 as a movie going culture. We're all just sort mm-hmm. of in this fake put like totally per- performative like amnesia. It's like I don't know the Oscars, I don't know anything about that. And then come like next week the predictions are going to come back and they're going to come back hard. Like BAFTA for instance, you did not see Twitter melting down over the BAFTAs. No. Like you did even with SAG. Yeah. You know, it's a much shorter show, less Like, no one was flipping out about Coleman taking it instead of Glenn. But she was always going to take it. Right, because she's, she's British. British. But you would, th- I mean, Mahershala is 100% winning the Oscar, not 90%, but after, like, Richard E. Grant, in theory, should have <laughs> right. won the British vote for Best Supporting Actor. Yeah. I don't even, did Mark Rylance win? I, well, I will look that up. Know. Because if, if Stallone won the BAFTA, then... Maybe not, but Marshall Ellie and Sly Stallone are two very different people with yeah. two very different reputations. Richard E. Grant would win if they did a weighted a, ballot, a, prefer- a preferential ballot. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I I think Marshall is very good in the movie, and is my. I mean, he's not my worst in the category either. Sam Rockwell. I was gonna say. Uh, I was gonna say. Like, I probably would put any Green Book nominee last on my ballot. But I, there's, I would know in no universe am I putting Sam Rockwell above Mahershala Ali no. on my weighted ballot if such a thing existed. Oh yeah. I don't so, Mar- think Mar- so. so Mark Rylance did win the BAFTA. So I would if- leave both of them off. Oh right, you can leave you off. You can leave people off. You can and leave it off. Count against them. I will leave off. All loved Mahershala, who I believe is my best supporting actor winner for Moonlight that year. That's one of the best Oscar acting wins of the last ten years. Thrilled about that. Again, apparently lives in my neighborhood, is a very nice man to run into at the local coffee shop. I would also leave him off my ballot. You know? And uh, you know what? I don't think he would blame me for it. No, I don't think he would. I don't think he'd blame anyone. He'd be like, you know what? You're right. You, thank and you, you're better for thank it. Thank you for doing what I cannot. Yeah, exactly. That's what he would say. But yeah, we are. We I would st- love a Richard E. Grant. We still one. have to tie up so many loose ends in this Oscar narrative. Well, actually, we are still talking about the Oscars like in a more production way. Like I mean, more today talking about the program. talking about the program and the garbage fire that is. John Bailey resign, bitch. Uh, yeah, goodbye. Like, so the the conspiracy that's going around is. Oh, I know this is th- a good conspiracy. Th- I think Chris File and um, one other twatter was twatting about it um the it's category the 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 selection of categories they're not televising seems random until you realize it includes it's all the categories without abc disney properties Mm -hmm. in it like black panther did not get a cinematography had rachel morrison gotten the best cinematography nom we would have seen like best doc short to be relegated to yeah, because why is why is uh you know animated short because Bao is in there. Because Bao's in the mix. Yep. And I will say I I am pretty pissed that I, I think that Marguerite is gonna win the live action short, which mm-hmm. I have said on here before. I programmed it out fest uh, Los Angeles last year. I love that movie. I would be very excited to see that win on screen because the movie's amazing, but I would also like to see it because we played that movie. Mm-hmm. Now I'm, I'm just like kind of pissed about it. Yeah. For, for the filmmaker, but also selfishly. Like I've said on here before, like because I saw the narrative online today, and it's a totally valid one, and it's a good point that 
Andrea Arnold won the Best Short Film Oscar. Martin McDonough won the Best Short Oscar. Yep. And so we are potentially... Christine Lottie. Christine, just Christine Lottie won last best week. Short, won a Best Short Film Oscar. <laughs> but like the idea that like we are we are disrespecting these artists who they will probably then go on to reward down the line, or in mm-hmm. Andrea Arnold's case, just who be, builds a great body of feature work. Mm-hmm. But it's also like... As I've said before, I don't need to like go through the whole thing again, but like short films have merit as short films. They are their own art form and they don't, they are not, their value is not linked to what that filmmaker may do in the feature space later on. So it's just completely disrespectful. There's a good thread um, that goes through all the acceptance speeches of the categories they're not televising. And yes, they are going to, I think, like pile all the acceptance speeches into the end of the telecast. They're going to do ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, they will. I don't know if they will actually do that, but in any case, it's very nice to sort of like every speech deserve every when they category do it on the Tonys, deserves. I was gonna say they should do it like the Tonys if they do. It's this. just like a lead in back from a commercial. Mm-hmm. They'll right. like show the highlight of the speech, which is still not preferred. Yeah, <laughs> but someone else also pointed out that also doesn't the Tonys have like eight million categories? The Tonys no, do not. I mean, it's it, not the Grammys. Yeah, and the, oh. the, the Grammys has like. Keep in mind, the Oscars have 26 categories. Like, that's a lot of categories. And yet mm-hmm. we've been able to go through all of them every single year up to now. Like, yep. the, I just don't buy the argument about, like, there's too many. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. that's bullshit. We've done this every it's, single year. As what were you gonna someone, say? Well, as someone tweeted, you know, just cut the 20-minute section where you walk in on normals watching a movie. You know? Yeah. Which is, cut, which cut is that shit. so condescending. Yeah. I cannot stand it. And also, you know why they did that last year? It was because Jimmy Kimmel took everybody across the street to the TCL Chinese Six because they were watching a preview of <clears throat> A Wrinkle movie. in Time, yeah. a Disney-owned oh. property. It was a commercial for A Wrinkle in Time, yeah. and they made it. They built it. The, just the visual of a packed audience getting to see the sneak preview of A Wrinkle in Time. Mm-hmm. It was very much building this narrative, like our movie is the one to see, yeah. while also getting to do free promo in the middle of the broadcast. Yeah. So fuck. What else I was going to say is that mm-hmm. of the 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 feature film awards, mm-hmm. editing and cinematography have the lowest total box office if you add up uh, the, the nominees. Well, yeah, cinematography, th- those two foreign, has three. Foreign. I, three yeah, foreign. Someone pointed that out today, on, I mean, which we've talked about here before. It's three foreign uh, nominees in cinematography. Mm-hmm. But this is like, these are the moments I remember, and I'm sure the two of you and many people who listen to this program have the exact same experience of being too young to have seen more than maybe like three or four of the movies. And mm-hmm. so you watch those clip reels in order to get a feel for these movies mm-hmm. that you either haven't heard of, haven't had access to. So that six months from now, when never look, when you find never look away at target, now mm-hmm. you would never find never look away at target. But like once upon a time, when it's on be, Amazon prime, when it's on right. Amazon, promoted prime. on Amazon. Prime. Yes. It, you can, yeah. you can still follow the logic in today's mm-hmm. context. Yeah. But like you are, you just, it's, you are cutting off curiosity towards the movies by getting rid of any category, but especially in cinematography when it's three foreign language films. Mm-hmm. It's it is just it it is unconscionable. And Ladies, my blood is boiling. People like to say, "Well, the Oscars don't matter," but Box the Oscars Box. are still watched by eighty million people worldwide, even if that's low for what it has been. Eighty million that's is a almost lot a third. I mean, it is not. It's several. It's like thirty million short of a third of the population of America mm-hmm. or something. But like eighty million is not a negligible number. No, no matter still, how you count it, like there is absolutely 
no other event that celebrates the movies that is watched by 80 million people. I have family members who almost certain, I'm not going to go too specific here, but I have family members who I know do not love the direction that the the Academy has gone in, in terms of rewarding movies like Moonlight, et cetera. They still tune in every year. So like this idea that like that, that, that the Oscars have alienated this quote, like not their base, but just like the mainstream America viewer. It's like some people just enjoy watching the program divorced of what the movies are themselves divorced. of if they've seen any of them, they just like seeing the pomp and the circumstance, the clip Mm -hmm. reels, the, the celebrities, the red carpet, just, just the ceremony of it. Also, who gives a shit about live numbers anymore? Like why does like, why that's so, that's so like Antiquated. no one cares about that anymore. Oh, a lot! I thought you meant like a live musical number. I'm like, what are you talking about? No, 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 <laughs> live like Nielsen rating right. or whatever. Mm-hmm. That doesn't matter anymore. No. It's all about like the what is it? The record watchback or whatever. Yeah, it, it's almost as if the, it's live plus sevens is like the statistic that is actually important. It's almost as if yeah. the mode of tracking success is not at all related to the actual means of production or mm-hmm. meets of. The uh, the art form anymore. Which nice. uh, speaking of the movie we're talking about this week, we don't have to jump, we don't have to jump into it. But I just, just ta- talking about shifting models of of inter- like entertainment and how we watch and who has access to it. You know, it's like high flying bird. <laughs> we're talking about it. Oh, but we don't, have, we, don't we don't we don't have to segue. Uh, segue away, bitch. I, I don't want to segue. <laughs> oh, okay. Hello. Well, <laughs> and it's also not my week. Yeah, it is. Is it my week? No, I'm doing it. It's Ben's oh. week. Oh. Pardon me. I'm going to segue because I don't know what else to say at this juncture. <laughs> I'm too mad. I'm too angry. <laughs> yeah, I'm, it's also like this can't possibly be interesting. Like all of this has been repeated in various forms online. Yeah, especially <laughs> by the time this comes out. Yes, I bet. I bet by the time this comes out, they'll have revoked the decision. Of course, naturally. How <laughs> oh, great! This will be a time capsule. They yeah. can put. They can put this recording in the Academy Museum. Oh, that'd be so swell. Anyway, this is movies I am. <laughs> you well. don't give a shit. I really don't. <laughs> Okay, shut up. <laughs> My name is Ben Empey. My name is Daniel Crook. I'm Brandon Kirby. Today we are going to talk What's the name of the program? About, I said, it's Movies IMO. Oh, I was talking over you. We're talking about Movies Steven Soderbergh's Netflix film, High Flying Bird. Hi, we are also going Bird. to talk about Jerry Maguire and Moneyball, which are not both sports agent <laughs> movies, but are both... Sports movies that are not about the sports players necessarily. I've got yeah. a, I've got a call. Great. So sports executives. Yes. They they are about revolutionaries mm. within yeah, the sports within space, the changing the game. Wow. Change the game. We're gonna change the way the game is played. Wow. How many times does Renee Zellweger say it was a it was a memo? No way. He says it's a memo, but she no, no. says she says it's a memo. He says it was a mission statement. Right. Okay. <laughs> Revolution. Right? Have you read this memo? You must read this memo. <laughs> Should have oh, been nominated. Everyone, been nominated. everyone at the end of these movies are reading things when, um, when, mm. when. What's oh, good call. She shows her the him the book. She's like, you got, you got to read this. Got to read this. Smash to black, which mm. I love. I mean, well, keep, go ahead, Ben. Introduce. High Flying Bird is a movie about a sports agent in. What is apparently known as a lockout, which I still don't know what that is, or <laughs> what it means, or what it has to do with basketball. I mean, like I, I understand tangentially, but like I don't know. It's 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 a union standoff between the NBA and the players. Right. Okay. There you go. And they're they're it's a strike. It's a strike. And 
Andre Holland is our lead sports agent, and he is trying to get the most for his guys doing unorthodox sports things. You see, he's <laughs> changing the game. He's He is changing gonna, the ways the game is played. Mm. We're going to revolutionize this thing from the inside. <laughs> You're going to go down in history, son. <laughs> As the man who changed the game. Changed the game that's on top of the game that's currently being played. You're going to game the game that's being wow. gamed. I was going to mm. say that. Game? game the game. Wait, Brandon. This what? Is, this is like, in a way, it's sort of the gaming episode. Ah, mm. uh, at last. So you're having a pretty good couple of weeks. Well, we you guys. Ready Player One. And Serenity. <laughs> My favorite. Remember, Serenity. Oh, yeah. Mo- Serenity. Wow. Gaming and movies. Gaming IML. <laughs> Welcome to Gaming IMO. Gay. Yes. Gaming. Gay with a Y. It is a game. It is a gamer inside of a gamer. Right? What are you doing? That just sounded like porn. That was sort of what I was going for. Oh. You were just doing your eyes. And I was like, what are you doing? I'm doing, Ro- this- I'm doing Rose Byrne and Bridesmaids. Mm-hmm. I'm not ugly. <laughs> I'm not ugly. Sorry. I My eyelids were like damp. I don't know. <laughs> With what? Are your eyes leaking? Oil. <laughs> They're so oily. Is it the leftover uh, oil that I spilled in your car? Because you're you... eating pirate's booty, <laughs> giving you oil. I was eating Jake's booty. Oh, you're like <laughs> shit. You, your eyes are. You were wiping them off with a paper towel. <laughs> very oily. You're Can weeping. We... Stop looking at me. Keep keep <laughs> Linda like... away from your eyes. I don't want her to be like a like an oil spill animal. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, oh, get the dawn. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Ben! Uh, take help, Dawn. Help. Where Where <laughs> shall we start? Let's start with Zazie Beats, who I love. Which Who's that? Sam, the assistant. Mm-hmm. Zazie, I'm saying it wrong. From it, from Hotlanta. Mm. From Hotlanta and the motion picture, <clears throat> Deadpool Two. Oh, oh sure, sure, sure. Nice. Thank still you. haven't that. still haven't seen that particular <laughs> award winner. You know that meme that was happening today? What would be uh-huh, your uh-huh. your alert? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Deadpool. <laughs> Should you tell the listeners what you said? I said, you know it's not me. I'm, I'm, you know my account's been hacked when I say Deadpool 2 is, or Deadpool is bad. Mm-hmm. Wow. Hell yeah. <laughs> I, love a, I love an extended bit that lasts my entire life. <laughs> I, I, I just love a, I love a comedy that's self-aware of itself, that is... Breaking its rules oh and fellow, reminding everyone, you that it's breaking the rules. Everyone go to fellow film fag Aaron Appleby's oh. video review <laughs> of Deadpool 2. It's the height of comedy. Mm. <laughs> Look at this thing. It's hilarious. Ben, what is High Flying Bird about? I said. <laughs> you wanted to talk about Zazie Beats. Yeah. Zazie Beats. We're moving on. She's lit. You've got to read this. You, to her. You've got to read this. I think she's fantastic, though. I would like to read it. I, I She is fantastic. She has big Rosalind Russell energy, but she also has like that sort of like, I just rolled out of bed and I'm just alert from the second I wake up vibe. <laughs> Are you okay? Do you have no. oil in your mouth? You're, you've got a lot going on. <laughs> What's wrong with your you? body? <laughs> so much is happening. <laughs> You look like the ad campaign for American Horror Story Asylum with what? the with like the 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 the, the white uh, the, the, the the statue nun? of a nun with the with the black oozing out of oh. all her holes in her face. Oh wow! 
Stop looking at me. It's, I'm trying. We look at each other every week. <laughs> I, Brandon, I like to make eye contact with people when I'm speaking to them. Thank you. That's how they know you're listening. I really enjoy when you see Andre Holland's pecs in this Oh, one. yeah. I like Kyle MacLachlan's pecs. Is that your top actually. note? You just pulled up your Good film pecs. notes. Well, my, my top note at Moneyball is Brad Pitt is allowed to manspread. Mm. He's hot. He's hot in that film. When, when he Brent works out. Should have won the Oscar. Should have won the Oscar. So I that, believed it whose in Whose year was day. that? Was Jean that? Dujardin. Oh. And everyone thought Clooney was going to win. For, oh. for, for, the, for Le, Le Descendants. Should have been Brad all along. Should have been Brad. I said so in the year. Well, no I one cared. I didn't. <laughs> everyone ignored Ben. <laughs> everyone everyone was like, Moneyball's okay. And I was like, it's my number three of the year. Well, everyone <laughs> wasn't like, Moneyball's okay. But that's the thing about Ben. Moneyball took a minute to catch up. That's the thing about Bennett Miller. Foxcatcher, I think people who don't like it actually have more to say than like it's just like fine, it's like boring. They'll, they will be like it's hilarious and it's not supposed to be. I like Foxcatcher. I think me too. I think it's a masterpiece. Same. I, I, I thought so at the time, but I would Same. need to watch it again. Bennett but, Miller, he's but, the best. But no, but he's where's he been? He's so easily need him. Foxcatcher wasn't that long ago, was it? Five. Five years ago? 2014. What? 2014. God, it's been five years since 2014. What was his before Moneyball? Capote. Capote, which was that's, six years. That's right. He takes mm-hmm. well. Well, he does, does he still act? I don't think so. He was an actor turned director. That's oh, really? Question, mm-hmm. Didn't Bennett Miller... Oh, he got the Fox Catcher Director nomination without the Best Picture nomination. It went, until Pavel Pavlikovsky, yeah. I believe someone correct me if I'm wrong, he <clears> is <throat> the first. He, he was the first and Pavlikovsky is the second. That sounds right. Best Director nominee without a Best Picture nomination in the age of more than the expanded. five. expanded. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. Because that is insane to happen. Yeah. Honestly. I think it is. I might be wrong. Oh, well, you'll be glad to know that Bennett Miller is directing A Christmas <gasps> Carol. I saw that. Oh. Yeah. Like a it's just like early in development. Based on the novel by Charles Dickens. Okay. Wow. I hope it's three I don't hours know if long. You, I don't know if you guys have heard about this. <clears throat> An old and evil businessman who does not believe in Christmas is haunted by three ghosts. Wow. That show him I'm only used to one ghost. That show him or that shows him the joy of Christmas. Of Christmas. What do you wow. think this guy's name is? I don't know. It's probably something like Don Diego to Scrooge. Mm. Ebenezer's, Scrooge Ebenezer Zama. Andy Circus, Carrie Mulligan. Scrooge McDuck. Wait, he's not directing this. Maybe you might be looking at a different They've one. been making a lot of these lately. Wait, so Bennett This Miller... one's animated. Okay. Dickens is in. Dickens is hot right <laughs> Dickens now. Dickens is hot right now. Who's this hot new writer? Is Dickens. Ianucci doing. Armando Ianucci's uh, The Mystery of Edwin Drood. I think he's doing David Copperfield right now. Perhaps. I don't know. I, I like to do of Ian Nucci's Ed, Edward Drood. He is the personal history of David Copperfield post production twenty nineteen. The personal history. Told you, bitch. So I so wait. So Ben Miller was never an actor. Who am I? Who was in the Birdcage? Who plays the son in the Birdcage? My friend just oh, watched the director the of Life itself. Uh, <laughs> okay. Or the writer. oh Dan Futterman. Yes. I don't know if he directed Life, but he definitely wrote it. Val Goldman. And that's, he's he's Ben Miller's buddy pro- from childhood. That's why I'm, I knew that they ben were Miller's what? He produced. Friend from childhood. He produced Capote. What did you say? I said his tr- friend from No, childhood. no, that's what it is. He wrote Capote and he wrote Foxcatcher and he wrote seven episodes of Entreatment and he did not write Light itse- Life Itself. Who am I thinking of then? 
Well, are you thinking of, well, why don't we look it up? But he is in Sex in the City, and Charlotte thinks that she's hanging out with her gay friend, and then he kisses her at the end of the night, and she's like, oh, he's straight. Interesting. We can go shopping together. And she's like, oh my God, we were on a date. Life itself, <laughs> Life itself was directed by Dan Fogelman. Which, Honestly, close. Pretty close. Who would have thought? Pretty that those generic are two white people. boy name. I'm not sure if I've <clears throat> shared this on the mic, but when I was moderating Q and A's at New Fest in New York, which is at the Cinepolis in Chelsea, not to get too regional about it on the East Coast, it's in the Cinepolis in Chelsea, which is like a three floor multiplex, <laughs> and I had to use the restroom, and I wanted to avoid like our crowds, so I went to a different floor. I relieved myself. And then I oh. walked out of the ba- and then I walked out of the bathroom, which at the end of a corridor, and I noticed that there was a Life itself poster board that was tucked <laughs> right by the emergency exit, like a little alcove <laughs> off of all- like a dark alcove away from all the theater screens, and it was facing the wall. Wasn't it the poster with all the tweets? It was the poster with all the tweets. Not even critics' quotes, just tweets. Uh, from, I love from when amazing <laughs> tweets. You're not gonna. And they're always it's like you're not gonna believe it. This movie's so crazy. And that Betty gets plowed by a bus. <laughs> I would love it if one was like some like like Bilga Abiri or like some like really good critic. It's just like. It, it evokes the opening inciting incident of Margaret, uh, which also involved a woman being hit by a bus mm. and the catastrophic implications on the human soul of guilt and shame. But wow, what a moment. N- <laughs> next to like, really cool! Exclamation point. I'm distracted by how hot Dan Futterman oh, is. Oh yeah. He's quite hot. Futterman, straight Futterman fucks. <laughs> he looks gay. I don't blame Cynthia not Nixon. Why futter me up, Dan. <laughs> Ah, I want no, Charlotte. Butter my biscuit. Uh, There's so many of them, I know. Too many. You know, I've never done a Butter full many. Sex in the City watch. What? Yeah, it's, well, I've never watched. I mean, it's very problematic. I've never watched the entire enjoyable. thing. I did. I I started my rewatch and or not my rewatch, my watch mm-hmm. after season. I stopped after season one because season one's just like not what the show actually is at yeah. all. But I watched it recently, the whole program and. It's season one and two are better than the rest. Really? But it's a different show. It's a different Mm. show. We could talk about Drag Race, but I don't think we're going to. Yeah. With the Sex and the City sketch. Can can we just say, though, like, one of the... I like. We could talk about how bad the writing was on that sketch. That's nothing new. I don't want to waste time. Mm. But, like, maybe the most boring episode of not just that season, but in a couple seasons. Wow. That's in my bold. opinion, I would have to think about that. And considering, I'm not going to spoil, but considering who gets sent home, you would think it would be sort of an earth-shaking mm-hmm. moment in Drag Race history. It's not though. It was totally boring, yeah, and benign, and like Everything no good drama. So what happens when you chop the winner. Yeah, yeah, winner's gone. Anyway. Yikes! Now it's just these other bitches. <laughs> so I, I, I could. There are things that I want to talk about in High Flying Bird, but let's go there. Well, but you guys don't want to talk about this movie and I'm not going to force a conversation. So I would rather, why don't you guys, why don't you guys say some of the things that you want to talk about? And then maybe I can just like litter my shit in, in the conversation. I want to talk about money. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I want. Well, let me look at, I have have a talking point for high flying fart. Okay. You want to hear it? High farting bird. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you'd like that. Uh, I texted something. Brandon, Brandon did me a huge favor the other week. 
And I texted him, Brandon, thank you from the bottom of my fart. <laughs> Which like I personally, like that's not like that's not like what I say to everyday people all the time. Or like what's in my head, but I'm like, he's gonna get such a kick out of this. I was giggling. Had a good so, laugh. <clears throat> I was when the movie begun. Mm-hmm. And it opens on that scene where he gets the conversation from 18,000 angles and mm-hmm. breaks every wall, whatever. Yeah. I was just, I for, for, for the first 50% of the movie, I was just very aware that it was shot on an iPhone. And I didn't like that how aware I was. Mm-hmm. But then form began to match content and it makes sense why it's an iPhone movie. But... I was distracted. What do you think about the iPhone, Ben? I don't have... I'm neutral. Like, I think it looks yeah. good. I, yeah. It looks good. Yeah, there's I'm some not stunning like, shots. I'm not like, I think that this is the the perfect... the What some people have said, it's the perfect material for him to use an iPhone. Like, I don't know if I agree with that, but I don't think it was a bad decision. I, I, I would say it's like the perfect marriage... I would not say it's a unique marriage. Like this is mm-hmm. not the only script that could ever be shot with an iPhone mm-hmm. to perfectly match form and content. Mm-hmm. But they do mirror each other in a fairly seamless way, in my opinion. So mm-hmm. I would say that it's a perfect marriage, but I'm not saying it is the apotheosis of a script that can be shot on an iPhone to reflect both the technology and the themes of the script inherently together. Yeah. But I, I don't know. So like I I I love Soderbergh. I don't love everything he's done, but mm. I generally, like I said this in my letterbox log and I know that we talked to it because we've done Soderbergh iPhone movies before we did on Sane last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we could compare the two if we wanted to, that might be interesting, but Soderbergh utilizes the depth of frame in a way that no other American filmmaker does right now that I can think of anyway. I just love, and it's not just like, it's not just that you're going to, if you look carefully in the back of the shot through a, building window into the building next door through a window you just see a woman walking her dog like in the background like that's very thrilling it reminds me of greg toland like Mm. it's 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 deep focus it's digital deep focus but i also just love in some of these restaurant scenes the way that like and uh andrew andre holland is not quite in the foreground but in the middle like he's he's closer to the front of the camera and then you can just see like the Again, it's not just about like being able to see like action in the background, but that we see an entire uh, like fancy ass bar and then like 10 more rows of people sitting around. Of course, it doesn't matter what they're doing, which is like he completes an entire picture Mm -hmm. and it still feels like a close up at times because Andre Holland is like, I think the lighting is pretty extraordinary in this movie. Um, And so he's able to, he's somehow able to both like, because what I'm saying is like fairly dry. but it's not at the expense of getting anything from performance, in my opinion. And it's not as if there aren't close-ups in this thing, because there are. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I get so fucking lit over the depth in Soderbergh, uh, Soderbergh movies. And I saw someone on Twitter um, who was like, I like these movies, but like, I honestly preferred when he had like his old cinematographer, whose name I can't remember. Like, I liked it when he wasn't shooting his own movies. And I get that. I mean, they're different looks, but yeah. it's it's fa- it's what he's doing with the entirety of that frame going back, like with the Z axis is just mind shattering. That's funny. You mentioned the woman walking her dog because I clock that and it's, yeah, yeah, it's very, very, it's very interesting, rich layered. You could say it's complicated. It's deep. It's certainly layered. It's deep focus. Wow. (laughs) True. Going deep focus. True. Um, But yeah, like I told you off mic before we record, I was also very hungover watching this movie. Mm. So the, the, 
fast flying dialogue. I was oh, like, oh yeah, they're, they're just hurling sports, jargon at you. Yeah, at jargon left and right. Hundred miles like, an hour. It's like I need a Wikipedia article before I begin. Well, maybe we could. Do you guys talk- like the dialogue? Yes, I do like the dialogue. It, and it, I and I'm glad. This is what I want to talk about. It, next. it took me almost half the movie to really settle into its rhythm. Mm-hmm. It was very like I had to. I was playing catch up for the first. Yeah. Half. So I was I was frustrated. Yeah. For for a bit. Why don't you say what you? Think? I just think it's overwritten. I feel. I think it feels like a play in a bad way. It does feel like a there play. there are some stretches that I, mean, I think he is feel a like playwright. A play. Yeah. Yes. He, he also is an Oscar winner for co-writing Moonlight. So mm-hmm. he's yeah. based off his play, but right. he's not strictly a play. He has a he has a new show on the OWN Network. Like he's not. Yeah. But yes, he is. That's he is his, a playwright. His roots, I guess. Yeah. Is that correct? We I don't could, even. Yeah. Know. Well, That's right. his roots that he's continuing to <clears throat> finish metaphor here because he has a show on Broadway right now. I oh, believe he? he's also an actor. He goes to Steppenwolf mm-hmm. in Chicago for. We know? haven't we haven't said his name yet. Terrell, oh, Terrell Alvin, Alvin McCraney. Yeah. Okay. Uh, who I could say something something totally nice, but I would have to cut it out, so I won't okay. say it. But um, I I I don't I don't think it's bad. I think it's quite brilliant. But I definitely take the point that there are some strands that needed to be nipped mm-hmm. just to keep this thing chugging it's along much more of a talking heads movie than i was anticipating mm-hmm. and i think it suffers for it mm. and i think there's a lot of poorly done exposition in the dialogue do you think that if 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 going into this all of the all, all of the right everything that we knew about it going in all the hype behind it was that steven soderbergh is directing an aaron sorkin script and he is taking that rat-a-tat mile a minute dialogue and bringing it in this other way do you think that people would have been as disarmed by how fast this thing moves? I don't know. I don't think that they would. Or I, 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 I think I think that people would go in knowing that they were going to have to be catching up with the dialogue as it goes on. But I also think that McCraney... And Sorkin did not only write Moneyball. You can see like the little Sorkin touches when like in the very, in the first uh, meeting with the scouts when Brad Pitt's like, you say he's a good hitter. But he doesn't hit good. Like it's that it's the thing about Aaron Sorkin dialogue is that it makes you feel very smart because of the way that he's able to dumb down and break down big conventions and make it really digestible and plain spoken. Mm-hmm. Like there's a real even though Moneyball moves really fast and it has an elegance to the dialogue, it's very like plain spoken poetry to yeah. me. Like it breaks down a very complex idea into like it, it dumbs it down for an audience. Mm-hmm. And what I appreciate about McCraney here, first of all, I never would have guessed that this is the same person who co-wrote Moonlight. Yeah. yeah. Like it's it is it is a huge leap. It's I haven't read his plays, like I I the own show isn't out yet. But this seemed like such an adventurous departure for him as a screenwriter, and I found mm-hmm. it thrilling the way that he refused to dump down the dialogue. And I actually think that the expositional dumps are fascinating because of how mired in complexity and contradiction and jargon and how they don't really seem to compute in your brain as you're listening to them because it really roots you in the minds of the players in this system or just any of the play, any of the basketball players and each of the players in this drama completely. Mm-hmm. Because the whole thing is this idea of this game, the NBA, on top of a game, basketball, which as the movie uh, posits, posits, like says quite factually, like basketball uh, game like invented by black people, taken over by white people mm-hmm. to monetize off of their talent and take away their power from the means of production and so there's something that there's something nonsensical about that like of course white supremacy capitalism we understand these mechanisms but i just love how the movie throws you in the deep end not necessarily with the expectation that you're fully going to make it to the top but it just you start so many rungs down on basic understanding of this world Mm -hmm. 
and it never pauses for you to catch up yeah and it doesn't dumb it down and it makes you it makes you it demonstrates how incomprehensible and in, 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 in intentionally um littered with you guys know what i'm getting at here mm-hmm. yeah. um but so i like my that issue about it. i like isn't that, about that it. yeah like the jargon and fast paced yeah. it's the character exposition sure. i hate it wait so what the worst one yeah, yeah. Give an example. is the mom of the one basketball player the straight laced one yeah is like the whole i already have a house speech do it a just do it a different way. I like that speech. I hated it. Well, I like. I mean, I, I like the. I like the way that McCraney is playing with the not just the expectations of Ray, but of the audience that because the way that these players have been talked about up to this point that they all come from poor families that they're getting into this so that they can buy houses for their mothers. Blah 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 blah. Like I like that reversal, and I don't have a problem with the. So then do it not in dialogue. It's all I'm asking. But you get it without the dialogue as soon as we're in that room with with the it, it's a it's yeah. A, so then it's, cut it's like the a, dialogue. It's a, it's a colonial style home that has been painted purple. It's like very vibrant. It's and it's you know this powerful African American woman like mm-hmm. sitting pouring the tea. You do get it. Like, but this is I don't think that I don't think that Soderbergh is content to just have the dialogue do that. Like, I think that it is explained before she starts speaking. I don't think it's as much exposition. I mean, I don't. I, don't I do think that well, the dialogue is deleterious to the quality of that message, though. Totally, and we disagree on that. But I, 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 my point is, I don't think that the dialogue exists. Like, I don't think that that exposition exists to give you the idea of where that character is and where her power comes from and where her family sits. Mm-hmm. I think it is more just because McCraney and Soderbergh find the facts of it fascinating. Maybe. Yeah, and I think, and I think your mileage weathers on whether you are also interested in it i guess but that's not that's not that's unfair i'm not saying that like because you're not interested in that story that you didn't get it that's not what i'm saying like we just did we just i take your point but i i I mean by which i mean i totally get that you didn't like it but i don't think that that dialogue was to set up that world i think that it's very smartly planted in the environment before that and i like that actress Hmm. who is she her mind Trying to find you. Uh, let's talk about um, let's talk about the woman who you called out in your letterbox a lot. Oh, Sonia Sound from yes. The Wire. What the fuck? Uh, she is the second so I good. saw her, I was very excited. And it, yeah, she's more or less the only thing I like about this. She's movie. so good. Is she introduced in that? Um, I think it's in the back of the car. The car yes. scene with yes. uh, is that the one with uh, Zazie? Yes, and that scene I really really liked. I mean, she's just so good. She's. I don't know. She can just convey anything. She's very, I just, she's very good. Yeah. She's yeah. very good. What more do we need to say? I know. Just yeah. watch her. Just I, watch her. I'm, I, I am speechless watching her is what the bottom line is. Uh, we all agree with that. I think she's one of, she, and I would also say Andre Holland, give like two of the, of the first of the year, two mm. of the two great performances so far this year. It's February. There's yeah. a lot to come. But I, I will things to come things, th- oh, things which I recommended to my roommate the other day. She nice. was like, "I'm trying to like learn more French. Like, do you have any recommendations?" Cute. I'm like, "Yes, things to come." Blah blah blah. She's like, "Is it on Netflix?" I'm like, "No, you'll have to get it at the local library." <laughs> but it's really good. It's worth it. I. But what I love so much about her performance is that she seems very canny and savvy, and like she's ma- and of course she's playing like a, a union rep. So I'm mm-hmm. like, "What's not to love?" She seems like she's totally she totally understands the system and knows how to play inside of it, which she does. But there are moments when just she expresses just total like a total like aghast uh like she in an, an incredulousness, like mm-hmm. no one really understands the system except for the white men in charge. And there's the other thing where like, you know, there's the scene with her and Kyle McLaughlin who is representing the NBA and she's the players rep. 
And she's like, I could sue you. Like you were not negotiating in good faith. He's like, neither were you. Like it, it's just this, she's, she's fascinating in that she just, there's a duality there between like you get that she is good at her job while at the same time she's sort of resigning herself to certain aspects of the system and letting it win over her. Yeah. I just think it's, and then there's just like the, the added quality of, and I should be annoyed by this, like to define a woman's like personal ambitions by the ability to have children. But I totally love her backstory about her and her wife, like trying to conceive and how she, she is frustrated because she knows that her wife wants to have kids. Like I just, mm-hmm. I find her like resignation and frustration with that. Like, and just the sadness to be very compelling and totally effective. Yeah. The scene with her and Andre Holland in the bar, their first scene together yep. is really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's gay, right? Isn't that what she intimates in that scene? She's like, I knew you were one of us. Yeah, because yeah, oh. his son's is it his, his cousin. Su- his cousin is gay. Yeah, I didn't. Oh, he could just be a he could, he could, that, he could just be a strong ally. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, someone tweeted this: how queer this film is. I think it's pretty queer. I mean, it is if you even with her and the cousin. But if if Andre's character is gay, boy, it's very queer. Even like mm. the competition between the two young, uh, for uh, first round draft picks, those mm-hmm. guys, I, um, whose names are Eric, who's the main, who's Ray, uh, Andrew, uh, Andrew Hall, and I gotta stop calling him Andrew. Andre Holland's client, and then um, I can't remember the other kid's name. But even that competition is very like Botrevi, <laughs> like on the court, like. Yeah. Very like homosocial hierarchy. I like male that aggression scene. and competition. I love male aggression. I, don't, I just gotta just love well, it. Well, in the cinema, throw that ball at my head. Oh, <laughs> knock me out with that ball. Oh. Mm. I just would like to call attention to the, the, the sleeping cat, the the way that her head is cocked <gasps> to the side. Linda, hey little cocked head. We should take a photo and post it to the twatter. We haven't done that yet. Of Linda. Okay. Do it right Sweet now. Linda. Great. I will. <laughs> I will. Um, and then when people hear this moment in this episode, we'll have photo evidence. Yeah. Look it up. And they'll be like, oh my God, this is ex- her head is cocked. Wow. What a sweet little girl. Sweet angel. Uh, a, a low sleeping bird. Oh my God, you know what Linda's dreaming about? Playing basketball. It's a high flying bird that she's chasing oh, across the prairie. Wow. Cute. She really would love it. She, um, she would love that. She really would. My favorite shot in this picture mm-hmm. is the hanger when they're walking. Mm, the Mission Impossible shot. The Mission Impossible <laughs> shot, exactly. Yeah. That's the one. I'm like, that's a moment where I'm like, how the fuck did they, you know, this is on a fucking iPhone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if McCraney teaming up with Barry Jenkins is Barry Jenkins' moonlight, Terrell Alvin McCraney teaming up with Soderbergh is Steven Soderbergh's backlight. And that nice. shot is a good example of it. And a lot mm. of the dialogue scenes where, I mean, he, he, it's, it's not just a matter of breaking rules to break them. Although that is inherent in sort of the politics of the movie in terms mm-hmm. of access to the technology on your phone. You don't have to go to a film school. This has been talked about on the internet, blah, 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 blah. But I just also admire how much he backlights and you can't see people's faces. And yeah. it has this weird, like sick or like jaundiced quality to it, depending on what he's using for his overhead. And, uh, I just I think that they're super compelling images and they look like nothing else yeah. from major from any major American directors right now except for mm-hmm. maybe Clean Screwed and the Mule. The Mule. Oh, the Mule. The, all right. All right. Um the moment where Andre Holland's character explicitly references a meeting with Netflix. Mhm. Mhm. I just want to open that conversation. Very meta. <laughs> Yeah. You know me, I Gone eat girl. meta shit up. It, this High Flying Bird, the scene where Andre Holland is talking about his Netflix meeting, essentially 
designates the film Deadpool three. Mm. <laughs> when it, when it comes to a meta That's recognition true. of the of the world that the film is taking place in, mm. and, and, and who's making it, and where who who's putting it on, and you know who's who's playing the game, and who's breaking the rules. <laughs> Everybody thinks they know everything. <laughs> Did we ever stop um, to think about? Maybe nobody knows anything. Nobody knows what mm. the fuck is going on. Hey, rules! You want to get your legs broken? <laughs> get your sea legs. Let's let's just get do another serenity podcast. Ten million dollars, <laughs> cash, cash. We've, we've lost the ability to speak seriously on film. Mm. We, do, we, do it, we do it every now. I'm Serenity just kidding. Next, next week is going to be tough because, spoiler alert, we're doing Ascar for Hottie. So oh. that'll be interesting. I can't wait to take everything too lightly. <laughs> like, and then Ely disappears. Where'd she go? To get another soda? What? She drowned in the water? Was Yolitsa Aparizio not around? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, good. I mean, Jesus! That reminds John me Dillman of to the, clean up this mess. The director's roundtable where Alfonso was just like, "I mean, we shot in sequence, so if the kids had really died, I would have just rewritten the ending." Film <laughs> that statement. He he got his best director uh, win. Mm. He would let children die to get his story told. I'm sure there were 40 people in <laughs> scuba suits. You know. <laughs> Like, what are you talking about, Alfonso? Someone, someone is yanking that little girl down under mm-hmm. the wave. You know what I mean? Yeah, they, like they, yeah. yeah, there's a whole team of scuba men beneath yeah. Giving the her a little mask. Yeah. Probably. I'm sure. Probably. Probably. I am sure. Well, they, they are not going to send two small children into the ocean alone. <laughs> yeah, Yelita like, goes down. She's like, I got her. And she picks up a stingray. Like, is this her? Oh, this is gold. What am I doing 30 <laughs> You're cranking the camera. <laughs> Charlie Chaplin over here. <laughs> uh, Romo shot in 1920. <laughs> Did you know? The other side of the wind is shaking. Wow. <laughs> Lost film. So High much. Flying Fart is a film about, oh God. Okay, so the Netflix, but really the Netflix yeah, we can, thing. I mean, I think that there's certainly a Deadpool quality to enjoy. Okay. La, 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 la. But it's also, if this movie wasn't on Netflix, I believe that dialogue exchange would stay the exact same. Because of course, it, of course. It is about a changing media landscape and about... I mean, this is just like, I'm like, how boring do I want? do we want to get here? But just like... Basically, it's about access. It's about who owns material. It's about how you get compensated for that. It's about alternate avenues. It's about a shifting landscape, blah, 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 blah. Like, which is what so much of this movie is about. It's about changing the game. <laughs> so even if this was a movie that, like, Focus put out, the Netflix conversation would stay intact. So yeah. I just think it's sort of a fascinating, obviously, like, meta curio there. But mm-hmm. I, I, I read that more... I find, for instance, it I, does speak to though this Soderbergh article interview I read in, in Deadline mm-hmm. uh, that where he was like Bradley Cooper. Was we had robbed. we had other offers, and I wanted to go with Netflix because I wanted to go with Netflix. That's cool. And then they wanted to put it in theaters, and I was like, No, if I wanted it in theaters, I would have gone with the studio. That's cool. But I wanted to go with Netflix because I want people to watch it at home, and mm. it's because that's what it's about. Yeah, that's fascinating. That's that's really well. Then I take. I mean, I don't fully take back what I said, but now that I know that there's that intention there, that makes it pretty fascinating. I'm sure yeah. that the conversation was written as that way, but he just saw. Yeah, it yeah, should be a streaming movie. And I could have been on Hulu because he refers to Hulu too. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think about Hulu. like where Soderbergh sits Hulu. in the contemporary American cinema, and that he's widely beloved. 
by cinephiles, mm-hmm. ma- like mainstream audiences love the Oceans movies. I think Logan, I don't think Logan Lucky made a lot of money, but mm-hmm. that's sort of like designed to be an audience crowd pleaser. Like mm-hmm. he does have sort of a populist entertainment streak in him yeah. and he's also like deeply intellectual. But then like his movies the past few years don't, apart from Magic Mike, maybe like don't yeah. end up on the best of lists apart mm-hmm. from like our friends who are like number one <laughs> Bruno Dumont's <laughs> Joan of Arc mm-hmm. number two Zama number three Unsane yeah. like apart from those our friends who do that sort of stuff like un- you don't see Unsane and on any list Amy Talbot number one two years in a row The Neck <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> But but like he's he's arguably doing some of the most formally adventurous stuff and some of the headiest quote unquote mainstream entertainment. I mean, it's a Netflix movie. It, this is mainstream entertainment. Yeah. Um, the Nick is premium cable, but it, it's not the Sundance Channel. Like it's not uh, what's that show that everybody smart likes about the prison guy. He gets out of prison. Oh, oh, uh, rectify. Yeah, rectify is so which good. people love, <laughs> which people love. But it's like starring Jay Cameron Smith. And of course, like. It should have had a bigger audience, et cetera, mm-hmm. but it's a very, it's the Sundance channel is like super fucking niche yeah. stars or Cinemax, wherever the Nick was is slightly bigger than Cinemax that. because it's all, it's HBO. It's HBO, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a bigger, it has a bigger audience than that. Mm-hmm. Like Soderbergh is still even, you know, he, he famously like in the aughts is doing like one for them, one for me. Now it just seems like he's doing one for him in a means of all for them. Yeah. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I don't know, it's just, I'm just, I guess what I'm getting at is like, and yet we don't see, and not that really lists matter, but we don't, we haven't really seen him on any end of the year lists, even though every time a movie of his comes out, this there's always a conversation around it. Yeah. Um, and people generally seem to be fascinated, generally seem to be fascinated by what he's putting on screen. Yeah. Um, and you, I obviously am biased because I like Logan Luckily, Lucky a lot more than two of you. I like this movie a lot more than the two of you, but we're having a pretty good conversation. Or like, here's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but I'm unable to say his cinema. I'm not going to, not going to say that, but his movies are packed with ideas and they're really fun to unpack. And yet we don't seem to talk about them much. Like it's not that the ideas don't linger. It's that we like, we move on to other things and we don't return to the Soderbergh movies from earlier in the year. So I'm just like, where, mm-hmm. because he's a white man and because he has an Oscar, he will continue to get to make these movies. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's just interesting. Like it's, I used to think like Jim Jarmusch was the only, uh, the only American director from. I mean, he he's from the '80s, not the '90s, but like that school of new American independence, who is still sticking to his guns. But Soderbergh, Sex Lies and Videotape was '89. So we you know what say I'm saying? He's from Stranger the Than Paradise 80s. was like '84. Still, Jar- I'm just saying like, Jarmusch and Soderbergh are basically contemporaries. But if you if I wanted to needle, like they do have a few years in between. Mm-hmm. But like I used to think that Jarmusch was the only one who still is sticking to his credo. Um, but Soderbergh is too, mm-hmm. even when he's made the Ocean's movies and everything. Like they're still the just the, the still hasn't topped Aaron Brockovich in my book. Rest in peace, Albert Finney. Oh, my Aww. God. 
I didn't watch Aaron Brockovich in his honor, but I should because it is my favorite of the Soderbergh films. If I didn't have to watch about Ely tonight, I mm. would uh, tune in. I would. I, would I don't think I've ever seen Aaron Brockovich oh, in full. It's so good, <laughs> so you good. Must, you positively must. You're see gonna it. give it five stars in the heart. There Fuck was yeah. so I. It's flawless. Aaron, Aaron, I saw some of Aaron Brockovich when I was a kid to the point where it's like. I'm just, I have not seen it. I remember like Julia just being like electrifying. Yes. And it's like, and it's, and of course it's like, it's a, it's like a China syndrome kind of movie. It's like taking down big yeah. oil. Yes. Like, yeah. Which uh, is, I, so I remember happy. like that rush of it, but I don't remember really. And it's anything. just like such a, such a classic like structure. It's just like such a studio movie. Well, and they, like, the best thing about studio movies. I think uh, I'm right about this. Someone could check, but not one of us, like if someone really wanted to know. I think the Arrow in Santa Monica, not to get too Regis and Kelly about it, did a double of Aaron Brockovich and the China Syndrome, or maybe, Aaron, was right. it Aaron Brockovich and Silkwood? No. What? Because that would have been like the double feature of I'm the year. I'm pretty sure it was the China Syndrome. Yeah, and it is still in my calendar, in my bag. <laughs> I like, usually I will cross out the movies I don't make it to, but I'm keeping that in there, because it's like, that should have been the night. That was a that was a memory. Should have been the night. That was a moment to remember. A moment to remember. Ah, uh, it's so good. And Julia's got like a neck brace on for the beginning. and Oh, I do remember. I've seen parts of it. away. Yeah. And Aaron Eckhart has like a ponytail. It's, mm, mm. 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 Boss baby. T- mm. Tiffany Haddish, mm. boss baby. Mm. Mm. Okay. Did we all see that Jimmy Carter beat Tiffany Haddish for a Grammy last night? <laughs> I, that's, I, knew, I did see the Jimmy oh, Carter one. For, be, for best spoken word, David David Sedaris and Tiffany Haddish are uh, crying in the corner. And Jim, 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 in Jimmy, the ditch. Jimmy Carter took the Grammy and built it into the walls of a Habitat for Humanity house that he was working on in South Florida, probably. Beautiful. To quote my, my favorite comedian, Rana. On the <laughs> the throwing shade podcast about the Oscars, they were discussing Vice, and the 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 throwing shade hosts were like, oh, "Jimmy Carter would have been so good for our country, and it's such a shame." And they undid everything he did, and Rana just goes, "Well, he was a really nice man, but he was not built to last." <laughs> <laughs> She's not wrong, <laughs> and, 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 that, and that's and that is why Jimmy Carter is like my favorite president of all time, is because he he's is the most good. he is the most delicate, uh-huh. he's the most fragile president. He is too good for this world, yeah. in a, in a way that like my Republican family members had a framed photo of Jimmy and Roz Carter holding their daughter like mm. outside a church, mm. like in the year two thousand, like on the wall with the family photos. I love it, like Jimmy. Jimmy. Jimmy, yeah, like, he is impossible winner. not to love. He is my favorite man, seventh president or whatever. God, let me just say a number. I, did I? I've told you guys that I was Jimmy Carter Sounds for Halloween right. one year, right? Oh, that's funny. My really? ex and I, he did uh, Rosalind Carter drag, oh. and I did. <laughs> it was so great. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay, what else do we have to say about High Flying Bird? Shall we move on to Moneyball? Watch it on Netflix. Available now. Yeah, I mean, I love the movie. I mean, I. I'm going to watch again at some point. I will probably knock it up to four and a half. I'm crazy about the picture. Hell yeah. Crazy about the boy. Yes. I enjoy. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Again. (laughs) Okay. Andre Holland. Rex. I. The pectoral muscles. Andre Holland, when he gives that speech to the. the, the, To the children. To the children. To the the youths. With um, their camera phones. Very powerful. I like that whole sequence when the Stranger Things kid arrives and all that whole sequence. Um, 
did not know that's who that was. <laughs> yes, it is. What's his name? Wow. Netflix co Caleb Caleb McLaughlin. It's funny when I, he when, already looks older than he does when he, he was. He looks in like Stranger a man. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's in funny. Like, like one year talking about the Oscars platform and Wrinkle in Time. I'm like this. We are in the swamp of late stage capitalism. Mm-hmm. It's all going down. I'm like, whoa, well, Netflix cross promoted. No, but seriously, how like, meta? Yeah. I mean, there's that moment. Truly um, meta. the Patty Cakes actress. She was in like Danielle McDonald. Yeah, she was in Bird Box and Dumplin' like back right. to back. She was in Bird Box, and it's like, do they just are they pulling I, from the same, yes. or is it just coincidence? I, no, okay, for I'm, sure because they have their own casting people. And it's they like have, how Michael Imperioli gets a guest spot on every, every HBO show, HBO show, including uh, girls. It's just like they pick up the phone. And we need some Carmen for this. Cuba. Yeah, and by the way, Michael Imperioli, any avenue to get him more work, I agree. Take it, but. <laughs> That's always the example I go to. Like, all these people have their in-house guys. Do you want to hear my Michael Imperiolian girls impression? Sure. <laughs> Hannah. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> Hannah. <laughs> um, what was I going to say about the film? Remember when Steve Buscemi was supposed to win the Emmy and then Michael Imperioli won the Emmy? Mm-hmm. That was a very exciting night. Did Steve Buscemi ever win a directing Emmy for The Sopranos? For Pine Barrens, maybe? He definitely got nominated. No. I thought he won something not acting for Boardwalk Empire. I think he did win acting for Boardwalk. He certainly won a Golden Globe. Mm. Well, what was I watching on HBO the other day? I was watching my favorite television show on the planet, High Maintenance. Mm. Did you watch Mm -hmm. the last episode? No. Not this week's. Really good story about roommates. Um, and one of the roommates is watching Boardwalk Empire when the other one gets home. And it's like, eh, well, no one's talking about Boardwalk Empire anymore. They're like, high maintenance. Like, you got to do a little heavy lifting for us at the yeah. bottom here. They're really trying. High maintenance is so fucking good. I'm so behind. I'm two seasons behind. Oh, I'm so... Ju- the second season is just you transcendent. You got to catch up. Got to catch the fuck up. Ben is snapping in Brandon's face. It's moved to Sunday. You got to catch up. Oh my it's god, a big deal. Got to get up. Got. Got to catch up. I blame the fact <laughs> that I may be coming down with a cold. That's why I'm unable to stay on task. That's and fine. And I didn't like the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so there's two things. I'm. I'm. I mean, I'm happy. I mean, we should talk about Moneyball and Mary Jaguar. My favorite movie of all time, Jerry Maguire. Mary Jaguar is the longest movie ever uh, made. It's and so I like insane. it. <laughs> I like it. It starts with a shot of the globe yeah. from yes. space and, and a satellite Earth. zipping around. I, one note I took during Jerry Maguire. Mary Jaguar. America still sets the tone for the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you, Jerry. That's that such a 90s <laughs> sentiment. Mary Jaguar succeeds in a similar way to Serenity in mm. that it never collapses beneath the weight of its own bullshit. Mm. And because of that, you must mm. give it credit. I love you it. You must give it credit. It is it is 30 minutes too long. Mm. Yep. And yet every single twist and turn, like it's emotionally authentic. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's so it's earnest in a way that mm-hmm. you want to hate it, but you find yourself rooting for Mary really quickly mm. in the film. When, uh, when she runs to Bonnie hunt, when Renee runs to Bonnie hunt and says, we're getting married. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Excuse <laughs> Literally. Me? What the fuck? And then God. cut to, cut to the kid holding the rings <laughs> at the wedding. It's like, what is, is it now? <laughs> Is it now? The human, the human head. head. Play. Wait, play. The human Wait. head. Wait. Eight, Eight pounds. The human head knows how to play the game. <laughs> Show me the money. That's it. I mean, a, it's iconic. It's iconic. It's, As I said to you on our way to the bar yikes. the other night. <laughs> well, because then he well, yells, I love, love black, black people. people. Yikes. yikes. 
I still think he should have won the Oscar. Yeah. No, of course. He's yeah. The face. Let's see who was nominated that year. I'm like, way, like, maybe. The way Jeffrey he, Rush won, and no offense. Oh, well, come on. I don't, I don't care that Jeffrey Rush has an Oscar. I, yeah. Okay, so I, do I, do I want, wait, do I want to, do I want to talk shit? If you would like. I, I will talk shit very specifically. I have to be careful about, about this. Rush. Do you remember when those straights jumped on you on Twitter for using the word faggot? And they were like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Like like the performative allyships? Yes. Yeah. I happen to know that one of them is like a huge Jeffrey Rush stand. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's all I'll say about That's that. Great. Fuck them. I just, the way, what? I don't, it's not that I think Jeffrey Rush is a bad actor. I'm just like, who the fuck cares that he has an Oscar? <laughs> he should have been nominated for Pirates. I've never, what? I've never seen yeah. the movie Shine. And I probably never will. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I've never seen a movie Shine because Jeffrey Rush was in it. <laughs> I True, think Jeffrey, Jeffrey Rush should have been nominated for Pirates uh, of the Caribbean. That's probably right. Really? If He's... Johnny got nominated, Jeff, that's like, frankly. Wait, wait. Johnny Depp has an Oscar nomination for Pirates? Yes. Where have you been? He won the SAG. Are you gay? Are you fucking <laughs> Johnny Depp me? won the SAG in 2003. Yeah. Sean Penn won the Oscar. Hold, but hold, arguably, Sean Penn's both of his Oscars. He lost the SAG. Wait, hold on. So that's Bill Murray, Sean Penn, oh my God. Johnny Depp, Ben Kingsley. I'm just going to see if I'm right Who's about Kingsley? This. He right. was nominated for uh, House of Santa Fog. Oh, right. Guys, I had no idea Johnny Depp has an Oscar nomination for his performance as Jack Sparrow. Wasn't Brandon, it his first nomination, too? Um, yes. Brandon, and then came Finding Neverland, and then came Sweeney Todd. Brandon, you know I like just love you to death, but this is not a discovery. I'm surprised you don't know. I'm I'm shocked. Wild. Th- th- this is I'm like, shocked I didn't know. And 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 I think it was <laughs> Doing on the internet. I think it was on fellow film fag Chris Files podcast. This had Oscar, but I think it was on this had Oscar buzz. But basically talking about it, like even or might have been blank check because they're doing um, Tim Burton. Even though Johnny Depp is so canceled and so problematic and so like never want to see him in a movie again, that is still one of the coolest Oscar nominations. Like and of course like the Pirates franchise goes way falls way off the wagon mm-hmm. like it is it is it becomes such a disaster but like that is a very cool nomination it was a very exciting time it got that's five wild. nominations that's wild no and this is like I remember watching what the a Oscars. time yeah, anyway <laughs> I remember watching the Oscars and then uh, Jude best Law best makeup Mountain. for his eyeliner wow best sound mixing best sound editing best visual well all very under you know under the line that which might not be on television anymore and so the other thing was that I learned how to watch studio movies from Johnny holistically Depp. no 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 I, ser- I'm serious I learned how to break down the parts of movies like the sound and the visual effects and the makeup and the editing because of the technical nominations for that movies, movies like, like this that movies like pirates would get mm-hmm. and then they would end up in the Oscar montages and I'd be like oh I saw that and I didn't really think about that cannonball sound and the crack of mm-hmm. the wood like I it forced me to watch movies like studio movies more critically. Disney wouldn't cut the sound. Uh, no, the, no, but that's a good point. No, and Jeffrey Rush would win the Best Supporting Actor Oscar on Right Ends. Mm. I want to Right Ends. I want to reel us back into Jeffrey Rush is elected to Jeremy president Meyer. of a yes. yeah. yeah. and the way Tom Cruise just flails about and kicks the wall in it's the bathroom. So it's so good in front of a Cuba. Yeah, it's so good. Holy fuck! It's his best performance. Yes. Well. Magnolia. Well, you know I stand Magnolia, but I think I, Magnolia's better. I, I would I would put this I above stand Magnolia. Magnolia. Once upon a time when I was a stupid young faggot mm-hmm. who was in the movies, I was like, Tom Cruise and Magnolia, there's never been a better best supporting actor. Mm. <laughs> like that it never got any better than that. Yeah, that was the peak. 
But it's you know the thing the thing that they have in common is it's him really bearing his soul and he's he's an which which you would think with any actor just like commonplace like that is the requisite amount that you need to give a great performance whatever blah 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 but tom cruise is so tightly wound mm. and has mm-hmm. such a public persona and because of scientology like everything is concealed it's this big fake out and yeah. so in jerry Maguire and magnolia when he's really opening up his yeah. Soul and showing a lot of like ugly broken parts. There's something so moving about. I mean, it's like yeah. it's basically like Dyer's star image, essentially, mm-hmm. which is why I enjoy that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I need to make gifts of him driving and singing Free Fall, and he's just like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. I like when he has to find the song. That's uh, mm. it's, it's a good bit. It's a good detail. Mm. I mean, Cameron Crowe is a funny guy. He is. He did make Aloha. Well, oh. and I was mm. um. Just there, there are some racially insensitive moments in Jerry Maguire towards the black characters, and I was like, "Oh, I guess it's not that surprising that this is the guy who would go on to cast Emma Stone as a Native Hawaiian." Um, you know, in Aloha. Yes. Um, Regina King. Oh, Regina should have been nominated for this. Holy mm. shit! I remember when the first time that I saw first... this, I, I was like, "And she got, and she won, right?" <laughs> and yes. like People were like. No, no. The the adults I was with were like Mm-mm. that first scene right out of the gate. Out. Yeah. Oh, Ben, it's I cry. So I cry. It's really good. And she's like, oh. Jerry, Jerry, <laughs> Mary, <laughs> Mary Jaguars on the phone. <laughs> Mary Jaguars on the line. Uh, what a movie! <laughs> Show me the money. I just Show me. I love the it money, so Brandon. much. It's just like such a part of my my past and my future. Help me <laughs> help you. Help it's so f- help, help you. me help it's you. It's so fucking quotable. You had yeah. me at hello. Mm-hmm. You 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 you, ha- you have me at hello. Is she referring she to the hello when he just walks in the door and he says hello to yeah. all the to the yeah. lesbian group? Uh the lesbian <laughs> group. Classic. Love. And it's shot handheld. Mm-hmm. The only <laughs> footage in the movie that's handheld. It's because <laughs> it's, it's real and it's yeah. raw. And they're just like fuck men. <laughs> I like Renee's like, you know, I've been sitting in on this group for a while. I'm like, I guess there's like, fuck man. And they're all like, no, sweetie, no. And then like Tom Cruise barges in. He's like, hello. And they're all like, a man, a man, man on the land, man on the land. Uh, but uh, it's sweating. I, what I like about the you had me at hello moment is that he goes on to he goes on to quote the hearing impaired people in the elevator earlier in the film, the you complete me, which is mm-hmm. signed from the man signs to the woman. Mm-hmm. He starts saying you complete me. And like, that would be the romantic line, mm-hmm. but he's, I mean, he's borrowing it. Like it, it, yeah. it he means it, but yeah. it's borrowed. And so when she undercuts it with like, you have me a hello, that's mm-hmm. the romantic line. Yeah. yeah. It's great. Which is better than the hello. In, in, in my opinion, you had me at hello is better than hello. In my opinion. I, I agree. In my opinion. It's a callback. It's callbacks a call, I, are always better. I li- <laughs> callbacks are always funny. Callbacks are always clever. Mm-hmm. I love a callback. Have you guys ever seen the motion picture Jean Dielman? Mm. Haven't heard of it. I'd like to tell you about it. Speaking of length. <laughs> I'm, looking at, Speaking the, I'm of, looking at the clock. Oh, no. I mean that Jerry Maguire is longer than Jean Dielman somehow. <laughs> They go through lifetimes in that movie. No, Mar- it makes sense that Mary Jaguar starts on a space image of the Earth because it is temporally out of control. Mm-hmm. Like it bends space and time in a way that is incomprehensible. It's the most insane movie. Ugh, it's I so good. It. I know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey! Just hold on. You guys, you guys are gonna it's like this. Such cinema. You guys are gonna like this. Okay, so I'm miming, holding a phone. Okay, hey, sniff of Maguire's in the room. <laughs> 
That's a good moment. It's a good moment. Sniff of Maguire's in the room. And then (laughs) Tom Cruise has this like evil wizard, like maniacal face, and he just goes. (laughs) 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 And he's just listening. (laughs) Wide eyed. Boiling. Grinning Uh like Jack Nicholson in the shining. Uh uh uh. His fist like breaks through the phone. <laughs> plastic flies. Like bre- uh. the plastic shatters the glass window. Oh, it would be so good. My favorite <laughs> shot in the movie is when do it. they're watching the wedding video, and Renee Renee is like, "Oh, he clearly didn't want to do this." And then we're back on Renee, and then in the background, Tom walks into Mary place, marches into frame, yes. out of focus in the background. It's a good shot. It's a good shot. I love, as you know, you like Yanush. I love. Showing how relationships suck with someone in the background and someone mm-hmm. in the foreground. Oh, yes, we know this. Those video. are the only. That's the and only the world shot will I also enjoy. notice that soon. Mm. But you don't like it in the Florida Project. No, he doesn't like it there because well, the not wrong person's in focus. Relationship between mother and daughter. Oh, well, I mean romance. You don't think that's a love story? That's not romance. I think that the love between a mother and daughter, Ben, is very is, important and striking. And I don't impressed. like I don't like this erasure of mother-daughter movies. Talking about romance. I am wagging my finger in your face. Romance. Okay, moneyball. <laughs> a bad okay. a, more like a, a bad romance. Speaking of Ooh. people who should have won Best Actor. Yes. <laughs> moneyball. <laughs> which is Sorry, I just you brought up bad romance, which made me think of Gaga, which made me think of Hirsch performance of shallow at the grammys which made me think of your tweet about where she's galloping around uh, and it's lean on pete when he gets it lean the on pete uh <laughs> galloping across the stage but now let's 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 gallop back and lean on pit why oh. don't we oh let's lean on pit. i want to lean on pits pits i'd oh. like to <laughs> i'd like to see it I, I i years ago i wrote something for the film experience where they'd this actually, I love when the film experience does this. They do five-part close reads of movies, and then it's a different writer for a, a five chunks of the movie, and it's a close read with timestamp. I did this for Virginia Woolf. I did this for uh, Thelma and Louise. And I, the, the chapter in Thelma and Louise I got was when they meet up at the roadside motel with Brad Pitt, mm. and I, I titled my piece... Pit stops. Ah. Oh, that is good. <laughs> it's rich. <laughs> it's rich. It's layered. It's complicated. Wow. Jonah Hill in this movie. Let's start with Pit. He's very good. He's very very good. good. His best performance ever. I his, would agree. I would agree. <laughs> his first Oscar nomination. First of two. People were shocked, weren't they? Were they like, hey, we gotta take this Joker seriously now? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, to get in the the. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm used to getting the hearty horrors, <laughs> not the thinky things. <laughs> Flash forward to mid-90s. Mid-90s uh, gave me some thinky things. It's very cerebral. Did you see it? I didn't see it. <laughs> no, but I, it. I didn't see mid-90s, but I know it's very cerebral. Mm. Anyway, Jonah Hill. I saw good. the other Lucas Hedges movie, Boy Erased. But we did. Did you see the other other Lucas Hedges film? No, but I would like Ben to. is back. I here's the thing. I'm pretty sure none of us have seen Ben is back, right? No, that it's good. I Do think, you think Ben's back? I think we're. I think Ben is going to be. Ben will be back, and Ben will never leave for the three of us. I think we are going to wow. be taken with this movie with Julia's emotional authenticity. Let's do a Ben is back episode. Maybe we should do a Ben is back wow. episode. And and I ben think that we're gonna we're gonna 
Actually, Ben Let's likes do Beautiful Boy. Beautiful Boy Erased is back. All, <laughs> yes. all three the of trifecta. them. The trifecta. Yes. <laughs> oh, great. Anyway. anyway. Wow. I think Pitt. we'd like it. I think we'd like I think, to see I think it. we would respond to the open emotional borders of I think that Brad back. Pitt has a very sad boy energy in this movie. Big time. I think he... He is a sad boy. He is. And he's wearing these like chiffon polos and khakis. Constantly really shoveling fun. Twinkies and popcorn in his face. Mm. And drinking out a, coffee out of a very small cup. Uh, when he's so, shoveling popcorn into his face. Which is in a, a coffee filter. Yes, from a coffee Get filter. Get Mo on the line. Mo's on the line. That's Get what, Shapiro. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how Brad speaks. <laughs> Catherine Hepburn and Moneyball. Get Shapiro on the horn. <laughs> that that scene. Lind. That, that was, scene no. is riveting. <sighs> I'm. What do you give me for <laughs> for Pena? All right, well then, circle takes the square. <laughs> I love when everyone is like, you can't. You can't game baseball every five minutes. Yeah. You can't reinvent the game. Pitt. What's his name? Pitt. Billy. Billy. <laughs> Billy Bean. You can't reinvent the game. You Pitt. can't reinvent the game, Bean. <laughs> I'm surprised. And I'm like, you're there on your computer counting beans, Bean. <laughs> Waiting for your beanstalk. You're not, your beanstalk's not going to beat the San Francisco Giants, Bean. You got some Harvard-educated economist over there, and you got a, and you got a, you got a scout. scout with thirty years of experience here, and you're listening to the wrong one. It like really Bean. deflates the line. You're listening to the wrong one. We thought it was going to be really clever. <laughs> Well, uh, I, I actually I love the wardrobe for that character, like mm. the wide lapel, short sleeve button down shirt, uh, untucked, mm-hmm. baggy, it is so greasy. It is well, just the way yeah. that Moneyball portrays that old boys club yeah. is fascinating, and what a broken system it is. It's like they're talking about how attractive players' girlfriends are, and like how you can yeah, tell if you're a good like player by how drunk. attractive. They're, yeah, and, and just well, but I just mean like it, it's chauvinistic, but it's very casual and protected. And then you get feminist hero Billy Bean <laughs> being Billy le- Bean. being like. What are we doing here, guys? What are we doing? Let's reinvent the game. I like when the guy's like, well, Billy, what? who should we start with? And he just says, none of them. None of them. None of them. None of I love them. When he How are we going to reinvent the, the game with the, the same slabs pieces? of magnet? And he flicks Flick it to the board. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, here's the thing. He's like, mm, Derek Jeter. <laughs> Slap. <laughs> I, I'm just going to. Chris Pratt. Slap. <laughs> He's got a broken angle. First base. I love Moneyball. I love this movie. I love everything about it. It's literally perfect. I am not there because I think it's like 99% of 100. I think it's basically perfect. I don't know what I would point to. Actually, I will tell you what I had to point to. Can I get on a a soapbox? Fine. I take great pride in the fact that I pay Mm -hmm. $2.99 for a lot of our homework. Mm -hmm. I don't always like it, but I do it. The way that Amazon Prime crops their movies is a crime against cinema. Wait, what's happening? They present a lot of the, not all of them, but they present a lot of movies in full screen. They are not letterboxed. They take up the entire the entirety of your for your screen. And Mary Jaguar actually was very distracting because a lot of that movie is told up in close ups. Mm-hmm. Or there's there are some interesting environmental shots in that movie too, like when he's running down the the dark corridors below the football stadium. But 
And Moneyball, Moneyball is a widescreen experience. Yeah. Don't you agree? Yes. And that's something that's so... They cropped fast. it? Yes. And it's 2.35, the one. So it's like... Oh, that, that's fucked up. That's one of the things I love about Moneyball is just how... Is the ma- length of the bat in the frame. Yes, <laughs> yes. But also just like the fact that... I mean, Spike Lee does this in Black Klansman, but I wouldn't say it's the same thing at all. But the last time I remember getting really excited about the way an office was shot was in Black Klansman. Like just using the tropes of like the the, the like popcorn ceilings and like the mahogany desks, like and then inverting it because of the story he's telling and like using that as a crucible of identity for the main character. Like I just love like the drab locker room and hallways. Yeah. And of course, like the beautiful shot in the beginning where Billy Bean is sit- is listening to the the World Series game <clears throat> in an empty stadium, and it's just him and all these empty chairs and him in the middle and I'm used to that being like a really wide shot and yeah. it was truncated and it pissed me off mm-hmm. and as a result it's like I can't say it's a five star movie be- and this is this is what I'm getting at like you have to actively work harder to overcome some of the visual barriers that services like Amazon are giving you when you pay for these movies and you're not getting like 25% of the frame yeah. it's a crime yeah that's fucked yeah anyway Amazon is the worst of the streaming services if you're not watching an Amazon original you may as well not watch it there don't give Jeff Bezos the money I don't know you think you're right go to voodoo I was gonna say, they're but, not no, any better no. it's Walmart yeah oh, Walmart, Walmart has voodoo Walmart's I used to I used to use voodoo sometimes I use voodoo more than Amazon because I don't think they crop at least Walmart is hosted in Bennington and that's where Gina mm. Davis does her all-female filmmakers festival oh, hell yeah. which Walmart helps oh, pay for oh great but I mean I'm not excusing Walmart I mean especially in the high flying bird episode when labor about Moneyball. hmm I'm going to talk about the daughter. Nuh-uh. Oh, that reminds Nuh-uh. me of what I was going to talk about, which Great. is just a fun anecdote, so I'll tell. And then we can talk about the daughter. But uh, my favorite factoid about Moneyball is the film was written and shot with Billy Bean having a second wife, and they cut her in post, and it looks like he's wearing his wedding ring still <gasps> because he's in love with Robin Wright still, but they shot it as he's remarried. I like it better oh. that he, because he, the only time. And they were like, oh, he has to be a single dad. The only, well, the single dadness and just the loneliness of his home mm-hmm. life. When he calls Jonah Hill on the phone and he's fucking drunk mm-hmm. and he's like, I just bought you from the New York Yankees yeah. or the Cleveland Indians or whatever it is. Like he, uh-huh. he's not just, he's not just, <laughs> he's not just buying a business partner. He's buying a friend. Wow. wow. True though. Yeah. True though. Well, well, should we it, talk? It do be like that. Can I quickly put something in about how much I love this script before we talk about his daughter? Yes. yes. Which is that Moneyball has crackling dialogue, even though I think it's like there's a beauty in its stillness and its plain spokenness. Okay. Like, this is a movie that is boiled down to its essentials, and that is why it is so compelling to me. Like, mm-hmm. every character's motivation is just stripped down to the marrow. Mm-hmm. Like, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character oh, wants God. to get his contract renewed. Mm-hmm. That's his motivation in every yeah. single scene. Yep. Brad Pitt doesn't want to lose. Mm-hmm. He wants to feel like a winner. Mm-hmm. Jonah Hill wants his theories You're to be born loser, out. Jerry Maguire. Chris Pratt wants to prove to everyone that he can play baseball despite his broken elbow. Yeah, like David Justice. LGBT church. <laughs> no, he does not. Uh, David, David Justice wants to prove that he's not too old for the game. Like mm-hmm. every character and the, the daughter wants to save her father. Mm-hmm. Like it's, which is like, it's beautiful, but it's also like, was that Aaron Sorkin's idea? It probably was. <laughs> um, he loves the he loves the father the broken father daughter thing. But it's yeah. just like M- Moneyball probably should have won best original screenplay that or best adapted screenplay that year too. What did win? What beat it? Why don't we find out? 
Let's Best take a look. Screenplay. Hugo? Uh, did Hugo did, I don't think Hugo won the Oscar for that. Uh, it would have been... Extremely loud and incredibly close. Obviously, the break, the runaway winner that year. Oh, The Descendants won, right? Yeah, the Descendants. Yeah. I would have Woody awarded Allen, Moneyball over The Descendants. I would have... This is a fun... Original Screenplay had some fun nominees, so Midnight in Paris won. Um, mm. And even like... Forgetting like Woody Allen for a second, like hardly his not even a good script. movie. Well, no. I think it's I think it's fine. I think it's good, but it's like it was just Woody on. He was just like delivering charm. Like it was yeah, kind it's of just annoying. Woody doing Woody. Yeah, but but also like like really that's what ooh he did? a separation a separation one of the mm. best nominations of the last ten years mm. margin call <laughs> which we have to stand. Mm. Uh, do we have to stand? <laughs> I like, <laughs> like margin call. Margin call, which we must stand. I've um, never seen it. Starring Zachary Kinto, who we saw at Akbar the other day. We saw his doppelganger. Oh, yeah. We saw his doppelganger. star of High Flying Bird. That's right. The Artist, which I like The Artist. I do, too. I actually like it a lot. Same. I, I don't think I would have nominated it for this category. And then Bridesmaids. Yeah, that was a good one. Bridesmaids. That was a classic. That was a but classic. Yeah, Moneyball should have won a doubted screenplay. Moneyball also, like, Wally Pfister, who shoots Christopher Nolan's movies... I think this is maybe my favorite Wally Fister. Mm. It's so rich. Yeah, it's layered. It's textured. There's something. It's just at times such, dark. The the lighting is just so soft and mm-hmm. lovely and like lush. And there are just like gorgeous browns in this film. It just makes me happy. There's gorgeous browns. There's gorgeous growls. It really looks like all the president's men. Oh, I agree with that. And like a, in, I like it for no other reason than it just does. I it agree just with that. does. I forgot Philip Seymour Hoffman was in it, and yeah. then when he showed up as the disgruntled coach, his he's scenes so are good. heartbreaking. He, he is performs he sadness, is impotence, and full bloom. Yep, mm-hmm. I'm obsessed. He, he, yeah, the way he performs, just like he's so sad. Frustration, sadness, and just defeat. Castration. Let's see where Castration. In the top yes. IMDb two fifty. It lands. It's probably gonna be like thirty eight. Moneyball. Yes, I'm if not kidding. number two, N- nothing. It's not there. Oh, it's seven point hmm. six. I've number thirty three. Almost Bohemian as, Rhapsody. It's almost what? as if yes, it's it something it like is that. In it, it's almost as if the IMDb male users related more to the greasy old men in mm. the trading room, perhaps, than they did our woke hero Billy. Yeah, reinvent the game, Bean. Bean. <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody is number. 207. I do like the, the one old guy. The, the one old guy with, with the big glob of a hearing aid in his ear. And, and, and he's like, oh, guys, it's like Clint Eastwood. And he was like, yeah, like at the end of the day, like we don't answer. We, Billy doesn't answer to us. We oh, answer to him. Yeah. And, and that's, in a word, all right. <laughs> um, I don't have anything intelligent to say about this movie. I know, neither do I. It's I just, just a stone cold masterpiece. I just love it. it. Is. Well, okay. The, so the daughter, I, I think, you know, she's. she's you sent your loser, Dan. Oh yeah, I just the way the movie ends on her song is very moving. Yeah, that's all I have to say. And then it cuts to Billy Bean did not take the job. So good. Uh, it's so I fucking love this movie. Well, here's the thing: so, had, Bean, I, had I seen it in time to make my list, because this was a a post posthumous humus yeah a, posthumous a posthumous uh, list movie for the list. It didn't make my list. Mm. Should have, made be, your, should have made your list. I'd be like number fucking one. Yeah, <laughs> I man. love this movie. I mean, basically. What I so think about the post scrawl in Bohemian Rhapsody, which is trash, and it's telling a story that you never saw on screen. When it's like Mary, Freddie's wife, and Jim, his gay lover, 
remain friends until the day they died. I'm like, who? That guy? <laughs> the, the 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 cater waiter who Freddie's fondles and then he he for some reason five years later shows up with his flat Makes and he's like no I, he's like sense. he's like I'd like to take you to live aid. <laughs> like it's bullshit. But like the postscript in this movie is fascinating in that it's Billy Bean didn't take the job at the uh at the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Every uh he stayed in Oakland. And then the next one is the Red Sox did win the World Series two years mm-hmm. later using his methods. Yeah. But you know that Billy didn't watch that win and was like, I'm vindicated. Yeah. Like Billy Bean remains under rewarded, underappreciated. He's a sad boy still. And he's still a sad boy. Like it's, my point is like, it's not just like giving some fun facts about history at the end. Like, mm-hmm. and today we call them computers. <laughs> <laughs> like in the imitation game, uh. <laughs> it is often the computers we think least of that become the computers of our dreams. Mm. But it's like it, it it furthers the narrative yes. and not just the in really Wikipedia page of ways. I completely agree. Yes. Very evocative. I would like to cry about as it. As much as I love a David Fincher film. Crab Claws. Oh, I'm glad I'm gonna talk Moneyball should have won best editing. Oh, over the girl with the dragon tattoo? Mm-hmm. No, I agree with that completely. I mean I would agree with that. The girl with the dragon tattoo shouldn't have won that Oscar. I'm still really it's sore. It's a fun win. It's it a great a it's a win. it's a great win. I'm still really sore about it because I was watching with my roommates and my one roommate didn't know anything about the Oscars, wasn't tracking them all year like I was. She was like, Oh, best editing. It's going to dragon tattoo. I'm like, get the hell out of here. It's going you to get out. Get out. She's like, What, the tree of life? I'm like, No, it's going to be artist, you know, or like yeah. whatever won the ace or something yeah. like that. And she was like, it's going to the girl with the dragon tattoo. I, I think I said Hugo. Because Thelma I, was cleaning up, yes, I think. That, yeah, I think I thought Hugo. And she was, was like... going to be Thelma's fourth Oscar. She was like, wait and see. I'm like, I think we're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm still kind of sore about You're that. Eating your words, mm-hmm. bitch. <laughs> bitch. Eating mm-hmm. those words. Just like... You feeling hungry? You shouldn't because you ate the words. <laughs> what? All right, well. I drink your alphabet. Thank I you. drink it up. Alphabet soup. I love uh, Moneyball. I had soup for dinner tonight. It was Tell us very about, good. What kind of soup? Did you make it yourself? Tortilla soup. I did. I made a crock pot full yesterday. Hell yeah. Wow. Will you have some again tomorrow? delicious. Yes, maybe. Fantastic. I think I will. Did you I use chicken stock? Chicken broth. I didn't have any stock, but well, I had broth. Broth counts. Handy. What's I don't different? know what the difference is. Give us five stars and tell us. What's the difference between chicken broth and chicken stock? <laughs> Let us know. Tell us. Who's not giving this movie a perfect score? Me. <laughs> Are you on what the in, What in the flying fuck? What in the high flying fuck oh, yourself? No, I was looking. There's a lot of hundreds. Roger Ebert, baby. Yeah, there were several. Something, Manola. A feature I would like to bring up on this show more, and I always want to, and I always forget, is like, what would Roger have thought mm. about this movie? I think about that every day. I don't know if he would have liked High Flying. I think he would have given High Flying Bird a three out of respect for Soderbergh. Yeah. And I think he, he might have given it a three and a half because he loves experimentation. That's true. I think he, I think that he would agree with you, though. He's like, there's too much exposition in this picture. Uh, I love this. I do. Th- I like this game. It's a fun game. It's a sad game, but it's mm-hmm. a fun game. What would Roger Well, it's, it's a memorial. And it's also like the thing about appreciating Roger Ebert is not just understanding, but celebrating the fact that he was dead fucking wrong a lot of the time. Mm. It's like Roger Ebert was such a beautiful man. <laughs> like what was going through his head? No, I love him. Did you guys see that thing that I think Matt Zollerseis tweeted about Roger Ebert recently that was like, you know, he gave some movie, I hadn't heard of it, uh, a two and a half for the re- the American remake, but he had given the 
original 20 years earlier, three and a half, and he gave it two and a half because of a rape scene that he didn't like. And people like came for him like, well, you didn't hate it then. Was it Straw Dogs? No, it wasn't. But he was like, yeah, I'm a different person than I was in the 60s, and I'm not in it for consistency. Yes, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. and I loved that. I did too. I really loved that. Mm-hmm. At the same time, when he was consistent, it was a total fucking riot. When he gives Blue Velvet two and a half stars, mm. he get, does a reevaluation 20 years later. He's like, yeah, I still don't like it very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He did, Inland Empire, he was finally like, I get David Lynch. Yeah. Here we that, are. That's the one. I know. I mean, I think Inland Empire is like my fourth favorite Lynch. I, I rank it pretty high, too. Same. Mine would be three. It would be I would put it above Mulholland Drive. I actually have a list. Let me pull yeah. it up. Mulholland Drive is my fourth. Oh, wow. Do we want to do a quick David Lynch ranking? Yeah. What? Why? Twin Peaks <laughs> The Return. <laughs> what's happening I, what's to funny this is episode? I, I think that we did. What's did happening not, with did, my should career? We rank, did we not do David Lynch ranks on the Twin Peaks The Return I don't episode? think we did, but I do think I oh, have yeah, it. Let me pull it up. I do think I have it. it Can I just down. read this line from Roger Ebert's yeah, review of Moneyball? Because it's exactly, oh, please. it's exactly how I felt when I watched it for the Great. first time. Please. I walked in knowing what the movie was about, but unprepared for its intelligence and depth. Mm. I yeah I think maybe he would have think you're right maybe he would have given high flying fuck yourself I think he would three have three and a half it. <laughs> high flying fuck off I don't think that's I don't nice. give a high flying fuck about your Florence Foster <laughs> fuck yourself high flying fuck right out of here <laughs> okay this is my ranking this anyway number eight we're being rude <laughs> it would be funny if like I'm like number nine you're like this has been another episode number nine Lost Highway number eight Twin Peaks number Seven, Eraserhead. Number six, Wild at Heart. Number five, Twin Peaks, Fire Walk With Me. Number four, Twin Peaks, The Return. Number three, Inland Empire. (laughs) Fucking like bunnies. Number two, Blue Velvet. And then number one is Mulholland Drive. Because Mulholland Drive, I will watch at any time of the day or night. When I I put it on, I cannot not finish it. I'm because there's bunnies in Inland Empire. Number That's... eleven, Lost Highway. Number ten, Wild at Heart. Number nine, The Straight Story. Number eight, The Elephant Man. Number seven, the original two season production of Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks. Number six, Twin Peaks Firewalk with Me. Yep. Number five, Eraserhead. Number four, Mulholland Drive. Number three, Inland Empire. Number two, Blue Velvet. Number one, Twin Peaks: The Return. Twin Peaks, baby. Hell yeah. What's yours? Do you have yours ready? <laughs> What is going on with I this I don't know. Episode? I was like, I was listening to this like kind of faggy movie podcast I like. Like sometimes they're funny. And I I usually turn it off like 25 minutes in. I really loved High Flying Bird and they finished by ranking David Lynch movies. This is very emblematic of this podcast. <laughs> Stonerberg episode is ending by ranking. I thought you said the Stonerberg episode. episode too. I was like, that's good. The Stoner Bros, man. This is a Stonerberg episode. It, it's ending with us. Okay. Anyway, number 10, Dune, 9, Lost Highway. <laughs> You're the only boy here who's seen Dune. <laughs> okay, Dune, 10 Piles of Shit, 7 mm. Rings of Hell. In Moneyball. No, in Jerry Maguire. In, one of, the movie, in one of the movies we watched. No, no, no. Really quick, Brandon. I'm sorry to interrupt. Yes, in Moneyball, he's like, we got the worst team. Mm. We got mm-hmm. 10 layers of crap. Mm. Yes. And then we got us. Right. He says that. Yes. Brad, maybe that's where I picked it up. Perhaps. I don't remember. Perhaps. Who can who can say? It was in my subconscious. Who can say? Yeah. Speaking of David Lynch, Brandon, what is your ranking? Number 10 is Dune. Number 9 is Lost Highway. Number 8 is Wild at Heart. Number 7 is the original Twin Peaks. 
Six is Eraserhead. Five is Firewalk With Me. Four is Blue Velvet. Three is Inland Empire. Two is The Return. Number one remains Mulholland Drive. Nice. Oh. The Return had the number one spot for a while, but I can't, can't, get, I can't give can't. it up. Well, see, yeah. that's how I feel about can't Inland Empire, Blue Velvet, and Mulholland Drive. It's like, is Twin Picks The Return, like, Ben would say the, I would say one, like respectfully, like one of the best pieces of art in any medium of the last like 25 ever. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. But I have to, I have to watch it again. I have to sit with you it. You have to like, follow your heart. I have to follow my arrow. Congratulations to Casey Musgraves oh. on her Grammy. Yes. For album of the Several year. Grammys. I, all, all four of them. I would like to say I deserve a pat on the back for not tweeting something today, but I'm going to say it on the program. Oh. Which is that I Pop have off. I have compiled a list of all of the people who rolled their eyes, clicked their tongues, yes. and wagged their fingers at oh, people yes. standing Casey Musgrave's Golden Hour because maybe they hadn't heard of her before, or maybe they just like I don't like country. Mm-hmm. And miraculously, a year later, you never know it. Some of these on drag race. Some of these some of these people. I mean, she's their favorite artist now. Yeah. And even when well, posers, I'm, I'm just saying. Subpoena's forthcoming. Subpoena's forthcoming. Get ready for impeachment. Yes. <laughs> I'm releasing, this my, I'm releasing my list. Hold on. How do we end on David Lynch? It's all my fault. We're talking about Raj. <laughs> oh, Raj. Yeah. Oh, oh wow. Okay. <laughs> this has been another episode of Movies IMO. Please follow us on iTunes and rate and review and give us a... Thing. We're getting a one star for this. <laughs> tell us. What the fuck were they talking about? I wanted to hear about basketball and means of production. <laughs> I, I and they're was... talking about Mary Jaguar. <laughs> we're talking about the Boys Club. <laughs> uh, Show me the money. All right, I have to pee so bad. My help name me. is Ben MP. You can find me on Twitter. Help me help name. you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna piss my pants. Oh my god, my name is Daniel Crook. I'm on the internet at Daniel Crook at Three O's. Brandon, help me! <laughs> help you! Uh, you had me at hello! <laughs> that really works. <laughs> I'm Brandon Kirby. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BK Kirby. Rate us five stars and tell us! <laughs> Can you show me the money? (laughs) (laughs) One more time. Which one? (laughs) You had me at hello. Oh my god. Okay. All right, Ben, go pee. Go pee. The winner is Jane Fonda. Thank you. Thank you very much, members of the Academy, and thank all of you who applauded. There's a great deal to say, and I'm not going to say it tonight. I would just like to really thank you very much.